Well, here we are. Let's open up in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11. Dr. Dufresne said to ministers, whenever you find yourself in this position and you come to the pulpit and you're not sure what you're supposed to do, to just go with the first thing that you get when you get in the pulpit, right? I've had a little bit more of a stirring of a direction than that. Uh, praise God. Again, sort of referring back to what the Lord has had us and our youth and our leaders in this week. Uh, one evening, it was uh, not, well, night before last, what was that Monday night? Uh, after the service, the Spirit of God just fell in that place. And we had all kinds of activities planned. We never got to them. We just basked in that presence for a long time. And then afterward, uh, I just got to sit around the table with some of the youth. And they began to just ask me questions. And one of the dominant questions that they had that we talked about was how to know when you got a decision to make, and you are praying, you're talking to God, ultimately, how do you know that what you're thinking, what you're getting is God versus what's you? <laughs> and how, how can you just, or, you know, I've prayed some, but I don't, I don't seem to have it. I, don't, I just don't seem to know. Well, these are not questions of just, that just affect a teenager or a college student that's trying to make their way in life. These are Christian things. These are spiritual things that affect us in every season. And we could all be sharper, couldn't we? And uh, so I'm going to go that way tonight. Amen. And uh, I, I just am entrusting that God will draw up out of me uh, some things that will help us and to bless us. Amen. Now, there's, there's a lot that goes into discovering uh, the plan of God for your life. And then being in a season and facing, you know, you're coming up to a crossroad and making a specific decision that you know is going to be important to you staying with that plan or moving forward with that plan or being diverted and making a wrong decision. And uh, there's a lot that goes into that. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. But uh, here's a familiar verse, right? Jeremiah 29. And um, let's read verse 11. And so it says, For I know, this is God speaking to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, For I know the thoughts. Now, other translations say plans. Amen. I know the thoughts that I think Toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Isn't that good news? God's mode of thought toward you is not bad. It's not negative. Let me say it this way. God's not down on you. It may pain him to watch us all mess it up. His plan. Divert it, not walk in it, miss it. But God is not down on us. Israel here, he's pronouncing this conversation right here, if you don't know the context, 
is judgment has been pronounced on this whole nation. And it, it doesn't matter how earnest they are in their repentance right now, they're being taken captive. Their capital has been invaded. They are being destroyed. And they will, God has sentenced them to 70 years, seven decades of Babylonian captivity. They haven't started a single day of it yet. So they've been naughty. I said, they've been bad. They've been naughty. And judgment has fallen. But notice what God is communicating as He is uh, outlining judgment. I know the thoughts, the plans, even as you enter into a season of captivity. Because your own mistakes and sin and rebellion. The thoughts I'm thinking toward you are not bad. And I've already outlined your future and how all this is going to get undone and how you're going to get back on course. This is good news. Amen. And back, in, back where I want you to be. You're going to have to go through, through some things. Amen. But I want you to know ultimately how this is going to turn out. I know the thoughts. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bless you. Plans to prosper you. That word peace, shalom, can mean it and is translated into English in other places, prosper. Amen. Part of the word, that, that peace is, that word shalom is just an amazing, wonderful word. I don't have time to get into that. So I, my thoughts, my plans are of peace, of prosperity, and not of evil to give you an expected end. Or in other words, a, a wonderful outcome. That what you're about to go through you're going to have to go through because of what you've done. But that's not the end. And so, but, but that's kind of it. That's kind of it. And so there's a lot of unknowns. But God tells them in... Now, everybody quotes Jeremiah 29, 11. That's what the stickers are made out of, the t-shirts, the, the, the prints on the walls. And everybody ignores verse 12 and 13. But verse 12 and 13 are vitally, vitally important, friends. Amen. And so let's read those. It says, for you shall go. Amen. Or excuse me, then, verse 12, then you shall call upon me. And you shall go and what? Pray unto me. And I will hearken or listen to you. And you shall seek me. You shall seek me. Amen. Amen. And find me. Amen. Now again, everything God speaks, He's not playing around. He's not teasing us. So what do we know? What do we know, Miss Emma? If you set yourself to seek God, will you never find Him? You will, won't you? You will. He said, if you will seek me. You will find me. But there's a catch. He's not done talking. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In other words, you could go through the motions of wanting an answer. You could play church with God, but not be raw, not be honest, not be really sincere 
or maybe you do, but you don't want it enough. You don't want to know enough. I mean, if you're not willing to pray more than 15 minutes, you don't want it very bad. Because we'll sit down and play a video game for four hours and not know where the time went. But if we don't get a divine answer from the God of all the universe in 15 minutes, and this is an adult thing too, right? We're just frustrated. Amen. But here's what I want you to see is our hearts are involved. It's not just the action of prayer. It's not just the motions of seeking. But there must be an inward working in us that is sincere. And we want to know the plan with all our heart, more than we want anything. Now let me say this here. One of the reasons why people can earnestly pray and seek God and don't seem to get anything is because really they're not sold out. They're they're interested to know what God would say about their future, but in their heart they're not willing yet to do anything, go anywhere. Uh, What if you prayed and God said, I want you to go to Botswana Dudad and live in a grass hut and teach those villagers the Bible? Would you be willing to go to Botswana Dudad? I don't even know where that is. I don't even know. I think that's a made up thing. I'm just repeating something I heard, you know, amen. And God's not likely to send you to Mongolia or Botswana Dudad. But you know what he wants? You know what he demands? That you'd be willing. And, And there is just something about God. It just seems like that he is unwilling to unveil and reveal the preciousness and the knowledge of His plan to unwilling people. So part of seeking God with all of your heart for His plan is you have to be willing to do anything, to go anywhere, change anything. Y'all remember what, I, what God helped me say to him in that dark hallway in that frat party? Remember what come up out of my heart? It was something like this. Father, I'm telling you, Father, no matter what I have to do, no matter where I have to go, no matter what it costs me, no matter who leaves me, I'm going to go all the way with you. See, that, that, that is a missing ingredient. I'm not bragging on myself. I I wasn't smart enough to even say that. I was just the grace of God, the sincerity of my heart right then. And I meant that with all of my heart. I did not know at that moment that he would call me into the ministry. Mm -hmm. Had no idea. Had no idea that he would ask me to leave my home state. Mm -hmm. Go to other countries. Stand in front of people and talk. Be with people as they die. I mean, it's hard, some hard things, right? Amen. Uh, Go to India. No idea. Amen. But I was willing. So no, no, no need to move forward until we get this. It's not just, you can't approach God for your answer, 
with this idea that I am reserving the right to decide what I'm going to do with what he says. It's like a husband and wife says, well, can we talk? Well, yeah. But you're like reserved. You're like guarded. What what am I going to hear? You know what I mean? So, but notice what God's first assurance was. All my thoughts, all my plans are only good. They're only good. They're not for your detriment. They're not to harm you, one translation says. But they're there to bless you and to help you and to give you a wonderful life, wonderful future, to bring you to an expected place. Amen? And you just have to know going in, whatever I hear, it's going to be, it's going to be that for me. Amen? Let's go over to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. So see, we, sometimes we could be doing the praying, but we're not hearing anything, we're not getting anything, because there's, we haven't taken that full step of willingness. Willingness to do anything, willingness to go anywhere, willingness to change anything, to accommodate, to get to live in line with God's will. Now I'll tell you what, you don't have to get to this place, but uh, when, if, you, if you go all the way to rock bottom, and it doesn't kill you in life. Some people get to rock bottom and we bury them. But you get to rock bottom and you're still alive. A lot of times you get serious about God then. You get say, I'll go anywhere. I will. That was me. That was me right then. I will go anywhere. I will do anything. Just get me out of this mess right here. But you know, you don't have to get into that mess to get to that place. You could just decide, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to go anywhere, do anything. Jeremiah 33, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. While he was yet shut up in the prison court, in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker, uh, the maker thereof, uh, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Amen? The Amplified is my favorite. It says fenced in and hidden things. Some things are fenced in and hidden. And it is through prayer that you get these fenced in and hidden things about your answers, the direction that you need. But again, your heart, your heart is involved. Okay, we're going to take a step forward here. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And we'll look at verse 4. So now I'm assuming that you're approaching God totally willing, totally sold out, totally consecrated to Him. You're not holding anything back. And yet there are still sometimes this vagueness. How do I know, Pastor? Well, this is not, I don't believe my direction fully tonight, but uh, you cannot underestimate the value of taking much time regarding that, whatever that is for you. To speak in other tongues concerning that. Pray that out in other tongues. And, um, but then, here's what we're going to get into the nuts and bolts for a few minutes is, so I'm giving myself to seek God. I'm seeking Him with sincerity and with all of my heart. I want to make this decision. I want 
to hear from Him so I can go the right way and, and make the right decision. How's that answer going to come? Well, that could come in a number of different ways. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about one that many sort of overlook and underestimate. And uh, so here in Psalm 34, I'm sorry, thank you, Psalm 37, thank you, son. We'll read verse 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord. That's a big one. If you're, like I said just a moment ago, you're all in, you're honest, you're sincere, and you are spending time talking to Him, seeking Him, and you're not getting anything, don't panic. Because, well, here's one thing that happens to me sometimes, is if I did get the answer right then, in my, in my immaturity and inexperience, in my zeal and excitement, I get up from that place of prayer and I go, I go try to make it happen right then. And you just become like a bull in a china closet, excited and with zeal, and mess things up. Because you should have prayed longer to find out not just what, but when. He's like, wait, 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 I, I, I had more to say. You didn't ask me when. You didn't ask me how. See what I mean? So, when we're seeking God about direction... And the enemy and circumstances and sometimes people will put undue, unnecessary pressure on us. It's got to be now. I have to have it now. I have to know now. Listen, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, you don't have to know all the details about the next 20 years right now. You don't. Trust, trust God. He sees your sincerity. He hears your prayer. He knows you're talking to him. Trust him. Trust him. He loves you. He wants you to get it right. He's going to help you. But we need to trust him. Okay? Do good. I could say this about that phrase. Do what you know to do. Just, just keep doing what you know to do. Right? Right? You know to come to church. You know to read your Bible. You know to pray. You know to be kind. You know to do uh, good acts and good works and witness to others and help your pastor and honor your parents. And, right? Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed. You shall be provided for. Look at verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I see two ways to interpret this scripture. Delight myself in the Lord, and He gives me what I want. And that's a right application. You desire a car, you desire a, a thing, you desire something. God wants you to have that. And if you'll delight in Him, He's happy Amen. to bless you. But there's another way to look at this scripture. And it fits what we're talking about here. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will, I'm going to phrase it this way, birth in you desires. The desires of your heart will come from Him. The desires of your heart will come from Him. So here's another key why some people are not 
hearing from God is they're not real happy about their relationship with God. Well, I know I should, so, you know, it's kind of my obligation and duty. I better go pray and talk to God about the plan, you know. No, no, there's nothing, we shouldn't feel obligated. It's a privilege to know God. It's an honor to know God, right? Amen. It's a, it's a, you, you don't have to read your Bible. You get to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to walk in love. You get to walk in love. It's an honor. I said it's an honor. And I tell you what, we need to be happy. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. Delight ourselves in the Word. Delight ourselves about prayer and fellowship with Him. And just, just be a happy Christian. Just be a content Christian. I'm born again. I missed hell. Aren't you? I'm, I'm so happy that I missed hell. And, and I'm not going to be accountable for all of my thieving and lying and stealing and lusting and all of that. I'm done. I, the blood has cleansed me and washed me. And, and I'm just so happy to go to church. And, and as we, do, as we live our Christian life happy, we delight ourselves in the Lord. We have the right attitude toward God in our Christian life. What does He promise to do? Give you the desires of your heart. Birth right desires in your heart. Well, how does this fit, Pastor? Listen, sometimes when you're endeavoring to discover God's plan and even make specific decision, decisions, you're not just paying attention to, would he speak to me in a voice? He might. He can. He could, down in here, speak to you in words that you could write in your journal. I want you to enroll in mechanical engineering school. You know, he, he, could, he could speak to you like that. And as you pray in tongues and quiet your mind and spend time with him, you're looking and listening. Amen? Amen? But there's something else I want you, and this may be very basic, and, and you may know this already, but I'm just reminding you. One of the big ways that God moves us along in life and in God's plan is He puts things in our heart. Amen. That's so simple, isn't it? He yes. just puts something in your heart. And you might not even know why is this in? Why is this coming up in me? I like this house. Why is he? Why is? Why do I desire another house? Why, I, I like this house just for he gave me this house. Amen. And you're looking for God to talk to you in words, but He is talking to you. He's talking to you through your desires. Now, you could get squirrely with this, and people could get really weird with this, and don't do that. Like, well, see, see, Pastor, I just desire, I'm a girl, and I desire girls, so see, that's just, no, that's against the Word. Don't twist this. This flow I'm talking to you about right now is predicated on the fact that you're sincere, and you're endeavoring to grow and live in the light of the Word, and you want to do right, and you love God with all your heart. Remember that? It's, it's when you're in that place that you can pay attention to your desires Amen. and that they would mean something. Amen. 
And only you can know if your motives in here are twisted right. and wrong. Amen. But, I, but if you're like what I just described, then pay attention to your desires. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. You got a few more minutes? How's this coming out? I like it. Okay, praise God. Not bad for no notes. Second Samuel 7. Let's look at an example in King David's life. Now, okay, David, what do we know about David? What did God call David? A man after God's own heart. So there's something special about this man and his heart toward God. Not a perfect man. Not a perfect man. Like, like conspired to commit murder and stole a person's wife because he liked looking at her naked body. I mean, this is, this is, this is King David. I mean, gross sin. But yet still, in his heart, he's right. In his heart, he's right toward God. And he loves God with all of his heart. And so that's all past. You know, think this, you know we're in a different moment in his life. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, verse 1. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest around about from all his enemies. So all of the battles are fought. God's given him victories. And he's looking around, and things are good. That the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in curtains or tents. Now stop. Look at his heart. He, he's looking around and going, look at, all, look at all that God's done for me. This place he's brought me to, all my enemies are defeated. The house of Israel is established. The kingdom is thriving. I am blessed beyond measure. And he's just, buddy, that's not all he's absorbed with. He looks at the place where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. The presence of God is kept. And he, see, he, he sees in his mind, right, I'm dwelling in a better house than God is. And this isn't right. It says something about his heart, right? It says something about his heart. And look at what uh, Nathan the prophet responded and said in verse 3. Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart. This is a little bit of a nugget about how you should live your life. Go and do all that is in your heart. I mean, if you're delighting in the Lord... You love Him with all your heart. You're sincere. You're seeking Him. You want His plan more than anything. You're willing to go anywhere, do anything. Amen. Could it be this simple? Do all that is in your heart. Well, this is what Nathan the prophet instructs David to do. And he says, for the Lord is with you. Notice that. The Lord is with what you have in your heart. Now we're seeing here, this is what Nathan, basically Nathan says, sounds good to me. Whatever, what's in your heart, King? What's in your heart, David? Well, let's keep reading. And so it says in verse 4, And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, 
Go and tell my servant David, quote, Thus saith the Lord, Shall you build me a house for me to dwell in? Question mark. Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt even to this day, but I have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? He's basically saying, Have I ever brought this up? Have I ever said anything about a house? Have I ever instructed anyone to build me a house? Right? So verse 8, Now therefore shall you say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheep coat, right, from the, being a sheep herder, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. And I was with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies out of your sight, and I have made you a great name, and the name of the great men that are in the, as a great name as, you know, the men in the earth. Moreover, uh, verse 10, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they will dwell in a place of their own, and they will move no more. Skip down uh, to verse 12. And when your days be fulfilled, and you sleep with your fathers, talking to David, I will set up your seed after you, which shall proceed out of your bowels, uh, out of your loins, right, your lineage, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, talking about Solomon. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. It goes on in verse 17, says, David went and he delivered all these words to David. Okay, so what's going on here? David had something in his heart. And it was sincere. It was sincere. And it was coming from a really right motive. It's like, it's like David was living uh, in the nicest house in Paducah, and then he comes to church into a broken down place. And he says, this isn't right. This isn't right. And, and God said, listen, you go to, so he had this in his heart. Nathan, thinking, that sounds right to me, he says, do all that's in your heart. So David, no doubt, he went to bed thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. It's in my heart. The prophet said, do what's in my heart. But notice here, what, is, what was in his heart wasn't quite, it wasn't in perfect sync with what God actually wanted. So what about you? Maybe you picked up something in your heart, but it's, you got some detail wrong. Well, look at the goodness of God. What does he do? Is he mad at David? No, he's not mad. In the goodness of God, he gets over to David the detail that he needs to make sure that what's in his heart is kept in the perfect line with what God actually wants. Amen. See, you follow your heart. And if something's in your heart is not quite, needs some adjustment, needs some correction, needs a little bit chiseled off, he will get that to you. Amen. He will get that to you. Are you with me? In this case, he used a prophet to speak. God doesn't really guide us through prophets in the New Testament. Now, we have the Holy Ghost on the inside. And there's all kinds of ways. But listen, trust the Lord. As you follow your heart, 
If there's something that needs to be, mm -mm, that, that would hurt you or get out of his will, he, he, he loves you just as much as he loved David. And he spoke up. Amen. But notice he spoke up in the midst of some things happening. All right. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 28 now. 1 Chronicles 28. So you're going to go to the right. Y'all doing okay? All right. I hope I'm making sense. 1 <clears throat> Chronicles 28. Now, Samuel, 1 Kings, and, uh, you know, and this, the Samuels, <laughs> the Kings, there's two of them in the Chronicles, they repeat a lot of the same accounts, but you get some added detail in different accounts. And so this is a real similar, this is a Chronicles type of account. And so David now, he's at this place, he's got this correction. He goes, okay, I'm not supposed to build it. I can't. But my son Solomon will. Let's pick it up in uh, 1 Chronicles 28, 2. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, notice this, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. So, this is a detail we didn't get. David so much had this in his heart, he had the design. And as I believe we'll read it here, he got the design by the Spirit. He got the design for Solomon's temple by the Holy Ghost. And so it says, uh, and made ready for the building. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name. Because you have been a man of war and you have shed blood. So see, there was a reason why he couldn't build the building. His calling was to shed blood, to defeat enemies, and to take war. And God didn't want a man with blood on his hands building a holy temple. We might not understand why God might forbid us from entering in or doing certain things. But he's got a reason. He's got a reason. Verse 4, Howbeit the Lord of God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler of the house of Judah, the house of my father. And among the sons of my father he liked me to make me king over all Israel. Skip down to verse 6. And he said unto me, Solomon, your son, shall build my house. Now notice, see, the plan of God would outlive one generation and it would be extended to the next generation. Yeah. David had his part in his generation. Right. Amen. But then the plan of God would be extended to his children. Amen. So young people, see, it could be that God, what God started in your, if it's God started in your family, that you're to carry that forward. Yeah. Not throw it away. Right. Not diminish it. But carry it further. Amen. Amen. Solomon thy son, he shall build me a house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he be constant to do my commandments, excuse me, and my judgments as it is this day. Verse 9. And you Solomon, so he speaks to his son. And you, Solomon, know the Lord, uh, the God of your father, and serve him with what? A perfect heart. That, see, this is what's important. 
how's your heart? Where's your heart? Because God can move you forward, guide you, keep you out of the wrong places, keep you in the right lane without talking to you. Without giving you words. But what he needs from us is a right heart. A tender heart. A willing heart. So sometimes getting our answer means I have to work on my heart. It's not just about praying enough. Is my heart right? Is, are my motives pure? Amen. Is there some sin in my life I need to get rid of? Is there some selfish ambition I need to lay down? Is there too much of my will in the mix? And not enough of, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. So he tells his son very wisely, serve God with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches the hearts. See, we began in Jeremiah 29, 11. Right? Uh, I know the plans. I know the thoughts. It's all good. And you will seek me. You'll pray to me. You'll call to me. Seek me. And you'll find me. When? You search for me with all your heart. With a right heart. And it's, he's the Lord that searches the hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. That's scary for some of us. He understands exactly what you're thinking about. If you seek him... He will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you, son, to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon, look at this, the pattern. What does your translation say? Something different? The plans. The architectural plans. David gave him the plan. The architectural plan. I never saw that, but he did. Of the porch and of the houses thereof, of the treasuries thereof, of the upper chambers thereof, of the inward inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of the plan of all that he had, notice, by the Spirit. By the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of all the chambers round about of the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures and the dedicated things. Now, if you were to go on reading, especially into verse uh, chapter 29, what? so here's David. How did this all begin? This whole thing with the temple. He, he, he just had this thought. Just had this idea. Just had this, he had this in his heart. So much so, he explored it. No doubt he sought God about it. And the Spirit of God gives him exactly the blueprint of the entire temple. And he assumes what I would have assumed. I'm going to build this thing. And so as he kept moving with what he had in his heart, when he needed further guidance and instruction and correction, God spoke up. God spoke up in words. But he only spoke up in words after David was following what he had in his heart. Are y'all getting this? And this is a, dyna a dynamic I think many Christians are not. They're so sincere, they don't, they don't know that they should follow their heart. 
But I'm telling you, you should under the right conditions. And then as you, I'm being redundant on purpose, as you follow what's in your heart, that specific detailed word that he needed to be exact and precise came when it needed to come. And so what David did for the rest of his life as it related to this project was he funded it. God would not allow him to build it. And he wouldn't see it in his earthly days. But chapter 29 goes on and says, David said, so I began to prepare. I began to prepare. And he started setting aside money. He couldn't build it, but he could fund it. He said, I'm not anointed to build it, but I am anointed to pay for it. And he started making preparations and this thing that was in David's heart started to get in the hearts of the people and they started bringing stuff. And before Solomon even comes into the kingship, they've got this boatload of material and money and wealth in the treasury and all Solomon had to do was step in. He's got the blueprint. Come on. He's got the blueprint. He's now got the authority. He knows exactly what to do and he's got the money. Oh, to be a son that had a father. Come on. And this is what I want to be for my children, natural and spiritual. And and I can hand off the plan to my children, amen, with so much provision and clarity and detail that it's just easy for them to just keep running with it. Mom and dad are gone, they're in heaven, but we know what to do. And they got they left us money in the bank. We just let's just keep moving with God. And yet he's very important. He's not living in dad's shadow. He's got an anointing on him to actually do it that David was forbidden that he didn't have. So we all matter to the plan. Let me stop with this. Several times, I, I don't mean five or six, but I mean maybe two, maybe three times. In all of the 10 years that I was a spiritual son to Dr. Dufresne, there were a few times where I was facing a decision that was so weighty on me that I felt like I needed to ask him what he thought I should do. And so on those two or three occasions, this is how this went. Whether in person or on the phone, I would outline the circumstance and I would say, Dad, what do I do? What do I do? What would you do? And th- we're talking about a man who sees angels. We're talking about a leading prophet in the land. We're talking about someone who's very keen in the spirit. And he never, in any of those situations, told me what to do. He never said, thus saith the Lord. I never got a word from him, from God, as, as a prophet, as my man of God. You know what he said? He, he almost, in lightness, Not in frivolity, but in lightness. He said, oh, son, what's in your heart? What is in your heart to do about that? Follow your heart. What's Your heart's right. And those he said that, your heart's right. Your heart's right. Follow what's in your heart. Get that. We're talking from my man of God, my spiritual father, who happened to be a leading prophet in the land. He didn't give me this woo spooky answer. He didn't say, 
hold on, let me go shandai, shandai. I tie my bow tie for 30 minutes and I'll come back and see what God said. He didn't say, he, he didn't say let's roll the die. He didn't do any of that. It was so simple that we miss it. I was missing it. And, I, and what, I'm probably, you're probably like me. I wasn't quite developed enough to trust my heart with things that really mattered. The outcome. Taking that job, moving forward with this relationship, uh, launching out into that project, whatever it is. What did he say? Oh, son, you know what to do about that. What's in your heart to do about that? I had it all the time. It wasn't a mystery. God wasn't hiding it from me. It was right there in my heart. And so I went from those times and I stepped out in faith on what I had in my heart. And it never didn't work out right. I mean, I mean, it always worked out perfect. Supernatural. Not very spectacular, but supernatural results. Accuracy being led by the Spirit. Following the plan of God with accuracy. And maybe some things that I did in the detail, maybe they weren't perfect, but they weren't so imperfect that it got me off. Or God would have talked to me. He would have helped me. If I really got in danger, no doubt God would have used him like a Nathan and said, Hey, bud, I went to bed last night and God told me you better not do that. I know what I said last night, do all that's in your heart, but God told me last night that you better not do that. That's a different deal, right? Did you get anything out of that tonight? Let me ask you something. Number one, is the condition of your heart right now toward God, are you delighting in Him? Amen. Are you sincere? Are you willing to do anything? Go anywhere, change anything. Well, then your heart's right. You're not being stubborn. You're not willfully just sinning, and you know you're sinning, and you know, just, I'm not talking about that. But your heart's right. So I'm going to ask you a second question. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? How are you going to get through this period of intense inflation, the economic heart? What's in your heart? What's in your heart right now? How are you going to get to the next level in your ministry? What's in your heart? What's in your heart, Kamal? Amen? Praise God. Now, if what's in your heart is against the Word, guess what? Then you know it's not right. You can't follow your heart in violation of the Scripture and say that you're right because you're not. <laughs> okay? There are ground rules. There are boundaries that will keep you safe in this. But there should be I'm going to try to shut up here. There should be more progress in the plan of God for our lives a lot of times than there should be because we're being too slow, too hesitant to act on what's in our heart. What, Pastor, if I step out on what's in my heart and I miss it, God will, He won't let you fail in that instance. He'll hold you up. He'll get you out of it. You'll learn something good. Peter's heart was right. He was impulsive, but his heart was right when he got out on the water. And then out there doing the right thing, he did the wrong thing and started to go down. Did the Lord go, I hope you get it figured out, brother, because it's a long way down to the bottom. No. 
What did he do? He said, he immediately reached out and grabbed him, pulled him back up on the water, and said, ah, why'd you doubt? Why'd you doubt? Let's go back to the boat on the water. I don't doubt anymore. Amen. God rescued him. God helped him. So follow what's in your heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your loving care and your immeasurable kindness. And I'm thinking about that scripture Paul said. He said, don't let anyone move you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Following God and His plan in our lives is not hard. 